What is up, everybody? We're back again, and this time we got a four-man show going on. We got me, Ryan Chadbourne Knifeworks, Noah Bloomberg of the Eniot River Forge, Mike Jones of Mike Jones Knife and Tool, and Sharky from Flying Shark Knives is here. What's going on, fellas? Not much. I'm excited to hang out today. <laughs> nice, nice. I'm sure we're all swamped with Christmas orders and the holiday season. I know I am. I know Mike is. What about you? Uh, my rush usually comes a little bit closer to the beginning of the fall because most of the knife makers try to load up before the Christmas season. So I think I've just about passed through the uh, peak of my season and it'll slow down a little bit here while y'all recoup your holiday expenses. <laughs> yeah. You ever get those those orders like on the fifteenth of December? It's like, hey, I need this. Somebody somebody needs this handle for yesterday. How fast can you get it to me? I get those pretty regularly. I would say that's a pretty much year round thing for me, and it's generally not like one set. I'll get the message that's like, hey man, could I get fifteen sets? And I need them in like a week. Like, no, I I, I physically couldn't do that if I wanted to. <laughs> That's good to be busy though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is an interesting interesting dynamic cuz we got we got three knife makers and then you who are a supplier of knife knife makers. So uh, the the whole dynamic is a little little different for you than it is for us. Um Sharky, I know you are part-time cuz you fly helicopters for uh for a day job. And then I'm part-time cuz I'm a mechanic, but I think uh the other two guys, Ryan and Mike, you guys are pretty much full-time, right? I'm almost there. Yeah, I've been full time full time for four or five years now, I guess. And you used to do was it is it framing before that? Is that correct? Yeah, I was a carpenter, did some timber framing, stuff like that. I'm gonna say I, I, I wanna say that I remember Mike going full time like a month after I started following him back before I had my own business and I was just a knife collector way back in the day. Yeah, it's a, it was a good feeling quitting my job and driving home that last time from, I was an hour and 15 minute drive away. So the whole time driving home, <laughs> trying not to second guess myself. <laughs> you get that weird, like introspective car ride. I think of the weirdest scenarios when I'm driving. Oh, I had to start. Luckily, I got into podcasts right, um, kind of right when I started that job, because I mean, you get so bored of listening to the same music all the time. I just turn it off and then your brain just goes to the weirdest places. Got to, got to distract it with something. Can't I, be like, I can't stand being, I can't stand being alone with myself in a car for that long of a period of time. Oh, the <laughs> yeah. worst is when my Wi-Fi goes down in my shop and I don't have anything out there to listen to or do. And I'm just, and then you've got your, I always have PPE on. So I'm, I'm stuck literally in my own brain with no distractions. It's Scary. dangerous spending that much time with all those voices. They'll tell you to do some <laughs> weird stuff. <laughs> I have to have headphones on. I, I can't grind without headphones on. I, I just, I don't know. I, I get lost in my head and then I start just not doing shit. See, I, I generally don't wear headphones. That's been a new thing for me is uh, wearing the headphones. And uh, it's, 
it's a, a real ADD experience for me because I'll be in the middle of grinding something and my brain will wander to some other set that I want to design or some other project. And next thing I know, I'm in a different part of the shop working on something that definitely didn't need to be done. And I'm like, oh, how the heck did I get over here? Oh, shit. I hope that doesn't happen when you're flying helicopters. <laughs> uh, no, my, my students keep me on my toes plenty. I got to pay a lot of attention to those guys. You're a helicopter pilot. That's probably one of the coolest jobs I think we've ever had on here. I am indeed. I fly the uh, good old fashioned uh, Vietnam style Huey. Hasn't really changed much uh, other than they gave us a GPS from the 90s. N- not in the 90s. In like 2014, they gave us a GPS from the 90s uh, to update. So, nice. Yeah. It's really first. exciting. <laughs> sort, sort of like when, when, when people talk about something being military grade, it's like, well, doesn't that just mean that it was provided by the lowest bidder with the cheapest materials possible? You know, I was just talking about this at work the other day. That's one of the my greatest joys is when I hear that in a commercial. And I'm like, OK, so it's it's garbage, right? Because military contracts are generally not very good. <laughs> Yeah, it's totally the, not the perception that I think civilians have of military grade. You would think like, oh, that's the best of the best. They're given to our, our frontline guys. Yeah, I know Ford ran a commercial for a while back. Uh, it was military grade aluminum in their trucks. And I was like, I will never drive one of those. That just sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> the aluminum bed pickups. I saw people like dropping toolboxes in them and putting holes in them and shit. I don't believe that. Yeah, yeah we, we have a we have a body shop in at, as part of our dealership, which is really handy when you're a mechanic having a, having a body shop nearby. But uh, we saw a few of those aluminum ones, and the the biggest problem is is they don't have the the equipment and tools to repair them. So anything gets jacked up on aluminum, it's getting replaced. So you you see a bedside go out, well that's not a bedside like you would on a steel truck. That's the whole freaking bed that's getting replaced. Yeah, aluminum's I'm difficult sure to that weld, the isn't it? Manufacturer was really upset yeah. about that. Oh, the one selling the parts? Yeah, I'm sure yeah. he was. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy to weld, Mike. Um, you either need TIG or an aluminum gun on a MIG welder. I was designing a bike rack for the back of a, a vehicle, uh, and I wanted to do it out of aluminum because all the mostly they're made out of steel, um, probably just for cost. And, uh, and yeah, ease of workmanship. And I wanted to make one out of aluminum so it wouldn't rust and it'd be a lot lighter weight. And uh, it was difficult to find somebody to weld it up for me. Yeah. In my line of work, like chainsaws, the crankcases are made out of magnesium. And that's the good even, ones. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, the good ones like yours. That's even trickier to weld, I guess, because it's it will actually combust like phosphorus. That's, uh... Most of the transmissions in the uh, older helicopters are made out of magnesium, which is why when you see a helicopter crash, the whole center of it is just ash because the transmission catches fire and that's all gone. And all that's left is the things that are out on the edge tips. Oh, very yeah. Terrible. Sounds like yeah. a great design. Yeah, I no, a... I, there's nothing like flying around with a, basically a bomb in the back of your helicopter. It's great. It's great until it's not. <laughs> he's he's probably one of the best welders in the state of Maine. And he said that if the magnesium ignites, it'll burn a hole in your concrete floor. Yeah. I was like, holy fuck. He's like, oh, yeah. Wow. He's like, that's tricky shit. Yeah, that's what uh, doesn't 
ferrous rods out of usually made out of that kind of like a ferrocerium and magnesium so it's because it just burns so hot yeah yep. you can grind up chainsaw crankcases and make fire starters out of them i don't think i'm gonna do that <laughs> no but but you could in a pinch that <laughs> sounds pretty dangerous i mean it'll start a fire it's just whether it's where you wanted the fire or not yeah <laughs> it's yeah. a fire starter all right yeah so so Sharky, I've seen recently you've been uh you've been gracing your upper lip with uh with some some fine <clears throat> decoration. Is that is that a November thing or or are you joining the club? Um no, it is it is a short-term thing. Uh my my wife reminds me on a pretty daily basis that this is a short-lived uh participation. No, we uh we we did a November mustache grow off at work or are doing I guess a November mustache grow off at work and uh I've been told that when my mustache is fully grown in uh I look shockingly similar to Freddie Mercury so I figured why not jump in on the creep fest. Well with a jacket like that, I mean why not? It's fitting. I think maybe now one that- year I should do it for uh October and then I've got my Halloween costume all figured out. Now that you say it, I I see it. Yeah. 100%. Can't can't unsee it. Yeah, there's the two people that I get compared to the most are Freddie Mercury and when I don't have the mustache, uh, one of the characters from New Girl. Everyone seems to think I look like. Oh, Nick from New Girl. Is that right? Nick, yep, the grumpy Mm -hmm. (laughs) old soul. I just realized this whole time I didn't have my mic plugged in. Oh, nice. So you've just been talking through the uh, through the computer mic or what? Yeah, yeah, but this is my new computer, so it's like fancy. So as long as you guys say, can hear me, we're good. It, it sounded fine, so. I honestly don't hear a difference, so. Nice. Well, so, not that your wife cares, but I think you should stick with it because I think it, it fits, man. Just saying. You know, and I, I'm going to keep a little it for biased. as long as I can. Nice. I also have a uh, have a, a handful of rather creepy uh, reels and videos lined up for my page while I have the mustache. I felt like I should just capitalize on it. Yeah, put that. Oh, thing I to can't work. wait. That's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. So for it, I'm for any listeners out there that that don't follow Sharky, it's stupid that you don't. But this man has some of the greatest reels. Some of them mildly homoerotic. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's neither here nor there. But uh, but you, you need to be following Sharky and watching his reels because because uh, they're masterful. I, I do like <laughs> to push the boundaries of sexual comfort. <laughs> so do we. <laughs> That's a riot. Oh man, it's funny how wives uh, inter like have an effect on the silly slightly gay bets we all do i was in a mullets and mustaches competition last year with my brothers and every day my wife was like when are you gonna cut that off when are you gonna cut that off so it takes like an extra level of dedication when you're married because the wives don't like it i don't know i'd say if you were single if if you were single you'd have a bigger problem with it because at that point she's stuck with you so (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) 
That's true, but it's kind of like a daily risk versus rewards. Is you know, do I want to keep doing this mustache competition, or do I want to do things with my wife? Because I don't think they're both going to happen. So yeah, maybe just she'll tell just her, be like, stop shaving her legs or something to the for November. <laughs> <laughs> just be like, hey, at least it's not a mustache and mullet. That's true. That, I just just got the one both. going on. Yeah, the Air Force frowns on mullets for some reason, which I don't really get. Yeah, I can't imagine why. That's <laughs> you think you think they'd be all about it with the aviators and. I mean, I think that we should all grow mullets and mustaches, and they should hand us out some pit vipers. And what are they going to do? Like, I, can you imagine having to go to war with a bunch of people and mullets and pit vipers? I was convinced it raised my testosterone. I I'm sure a, did. Have a mullet, yeah. <laughs> Whatever works, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of testosterone, Noah, you've been hitting the gym, haven't you? Yes. Uh, yeah. So this, uh, I've never been what most people would consider to be like a healthy person. I have a very high metabolism. Uh, so I'm not fat, but at the same time, uh, I don't go to the gym. I don't eat healthy. I consume enough uh, nicotine and caffeine to harm a small bowl. Uh, I, I just generally don't really take care of myself. And I also deal with extreme anxiety, which causes depression frequently. Well, not frequently, but occasionally. So, uh, I was scrolling the other day and I came across a reel of Joe Rogan. And I know we talk about Joe Rogan a lot on this show and I'm sorry, but at least it's me bringing it up this time and not Ryan. So it's fine. Uh, and it was, I can't quote him, but basically it was something along the lines of, you know, when you do a hard workout in the morning, your mind is only focused on that and that hard thing. And it, it, it burns all of the anxiety out. And, you know, anxiety is based on, you know, your, your body reacting to perceived fear. And, you know, when you're, when you're doing that hard workout, it's, it's burning that out of you. So most people go to the gym for physical health. I'm going to the gym for mental health and, and I don't mind saying that. I know a lot of people don't like to talk about mental health and, and I'm totally fine talking about it. That's, that's something that I think that doesn't get talked about enough. And, and if, if people talked about it more, it'd probably be a lot easier for a lot of people. Um, but after a week of going to the gym, I can tell you that it has done wonders and it is so much easier to just live your life when you just go to the gym in the morning. I have so much more energy. I feel better. My back hurts less. And uh, yeah. So anyways, anybody, I, I constantly have always been of the mindset. I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have the level of dedication because I don't like working out. I don't want to work out. But I've got a good buddy, uh, my buddy Nick. And I told him, I was like, hey, dude, if I started going in the gym, go, going to the gym before work, would you go with me? And he's like, hell yeah, dude, let's, let's do it. So just having that other, you know, that person to kind of give you that accountability of, hey, I'm expecting you to be here at 5 a.m. and I'm going to be here. So if you're not, then it's on you. So that's given me kind of the motivation to get up early every morning and go to the gym. And I highly recommend it. It's always nice to have an accountability buddy. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. Like, I've been... I could definitely see like that pent up energy just being spent in the wrong places, whether you want it to be or not. And so 
burning that out and getting rid of it. Like I've recently started pick up hockey and, um, Jesus, that's a hell of a workout being out for like an, an hour and a half with a bunch of dudes and nonstop skating. And, uh, fuck after that, like, I don't care about shit for two days solid, like nothing bugs me. <laughs> you don't have the energy to, to worry about it. It's awesome. Yeah, I think Noah kind of hit on it too of like a, a lot of people feel like they don't have the time for uh, and it, it really any physical activity, right? There's always a reason not to do the physical activity and you underestimate how much once you get up and going, it speeds up the rest of your life and all of a sudden you went to the gym or you did something physical and then you have more time in the day even after you use that time because everything else you did sped up a little bit too because you were active and moving around. It's just a lifestyle decision, right? You just make it where you just do it and then fit everything else around that stuff. Well, and in I this case, it, it, it. makes it makes me more productive. Like just even at my day job, I can see that I, I get a lot more done in a day than I do otherwise because I'm not dragging my ass around, you know, first thing in the morning trying to, you know, get get going. I'm already going, you know, so it really helps the rest of my day go. I need to do it just for health reasons. I got some serious tits going on. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's a problem. My, See, my I, brother I, on the I, other. I went through the phase of reducing the boob size and now I'm back into the regrowing of them, but in a more square and muscular shape than the uh, <laughs> round and supple version that I had before. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at. And like, I've, I've actually like felt bad, like, cause we record ourselves to post reels and shit. And there have been reels that I've made and I'm like, I'm not going to post that. <laughs> you can, you can totally see my tits in that. It's terrible. The, the side angle grinding ones are the worst when you're kind of hunched yes. over the grinder a little bit yes. and you realize yeah. a bunch of the sawdust is catching on your belly and you're like, well, I've got a sawdust shelf. That's, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Those ones are like. If you're doing like a cut test video with a piece of paper, I do a lot of those. If I don't have my beard, you can see my double chin. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, man. We're, and I mean, we're grown ass men. We shouldn't be that self-conscious, but fuck. Oh, camera angle. Camera angle is a big deal. Yeah. So, what do they say? So it's 10 pounds. In the, in the <laughs> rare event that there's a woman listening to this podcast, it's not just you ladies. We care about ourselves, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I always laugh a little bit when when I see those posts about how society gives women unfair expectations about what their body should look like. And like it's it's always about like, oh, well, women have all these, you know, icons that are just have bodies they can never live up to. And then, you know, I look at like Ryan Reynolds and Brad Pitt and I'm like, yeah, because we don't have that. I could totally look like Ryan Reynolds tomorrow if I felt like it. Yeah. Brad Pitt from Fight Club where he was like 2% <laughs> yeah. body fat. Yeah, or who's that yeah. fucking Aquaman guy? They keep showing him all over the place, rolling Jason around with tattoos. And- oh oh yeah, my Jason goodness! Rosa. Yeah, and he's like six foot five, just fucking yoked. I'm like, or the Rock. I mean, look. Did at- you just say Jason Mimosa? He did. Yeah, he did say I, Jason that's Mimosa. What I call him. <laughs> that's what I call him. <laughs> you know, but- I made some uh, handles for a set of knives for Jason Momoa one time. That was a fun project. Was yeah, that through, he's a uh, friend, um, Neil Kamimura. Yeah, okay. I yeah. I did it with uh, Josh Scott. He did a series of cleavers, and I got to make a few of the handles for them. It was a lot of fun. That, that's badass. 
At least that guy's outside to be a material supplier is that Josh then got to go meet Jason Momoa and I was not invited. (laughs) That's ridiculous, man. You should have been able to go. And all the guys that work at the mill that made the steel for the knives, too. I know. They didn't get invited (laughs) either. It's not fair. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I got a question about your your handles. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that they're pretty much you're pretty much all scales, individual scales, and not typically blocks. Yep. How do people make sure that they keep those lined up perfect across the spine of a knife? Because when I when I typically get something that's yeah, like I I usually use a block for something like that, and then I'll drill the holes before I split it in half, and then. You know, make sure everything that that just keeps everything lined up perfect. But I, I've always just been curious when I see people making scales with like all those different materials together. And you want to make sure that across the spine, all those transitions line up perfect. So when I when I send out the scales, I do my very best to make sure that they're all pretty solidly squared up with the spacers perfectly lined up um, to give the knife maker the the best fighting chance of keeping them lined up. Um, after that, I know there's a couple different methods on how guys keep them perfectly lined up, but honestly, Noah's going to be able to answer that better than I can. Cause I've never had to put them on a knife. So, so you secure them then like you tape the, the edge or whatever to make sure they stay lined up like that. Yeah. Once I'm, so I shape them all into, I wouldn't say perfect rectangles, but rectangular ish. I always try to take off as little material as possible, just in case you got a weird shaped knife handle, um, and just need that little extra bit, but I get them rectangular ish square, the sides, all four sides into a 90 uh, degree angle with the f- surface, the top surface. Um, and then, yeah, I tape them together with the spacers lined up at, you know, perfectly back to back. Um, I know a lot of guys will put the knife on top of that and drill down through the holes from there. Uh, so then they don't even have to really untape it. Some guys put them on either side of the knife before they drill. That's that's not something I have too much experience with. Yeah, so that so, would basically turn them into a block like I'm used to working with. And Sorry, go ahead, Noah. I was going to say, I've never actually even thought about doing that the way that he's describing. Um, a lot of my stuff will have tapered tangs, uh, less now than it used to. So that doesn't really work for me. So basically what I do is... I drill my tang holes beforehand and I kind of uh, like to cause myself as much misery as possible. So the majority of my knives have six pin holes and I use uh, eighth inch pin stock just because I think it looks cool. And because like I said, I like to make more work for myself. Um, so what I'll do is I will super glue with like two little spots of super glue on one side, get everything lined up so that, you know, the, the angle, Cause there's usually like a little space or material in between the two main sets of wood on like a, a segmented set. Make sure that's where I want it. Make sure it's nowhere near the, uh, where the pinholes are going to be. Get that lined up and then I'll drill through the tang, then down through the, the handle material. And then I will then super glue the other side onto it, lining up those, those, what would then be horizontal or no, I guess that they would then be vertical liners, that spacer material, make sure all those are lined up because then you've just got two rectangles. You can line up those two rectangles. So you know that everything's perfectly in line. And then I will drill down through the, through the handle material that I've already drilled. Cause I've already got that pilot hole there and then down through the other side. 
and then I just bust the uh, bust the scales back off and then clean off the super glue. You ever had the scales come apart breaking off that super glue? Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I do mostly hidden tang. I've got all full tangs right now on my bench, which which is rare, but mostly. If I have a choice, I do hidden tanks, so I tend to buy blocks. But I'm stabilizing myself now, so I've been pretty much sourcing unstabilized wood and then doing it myself. Have you uh, have you ever done a frame tang? That's one of my new obsessions right now is frame tangs. That's I something that's not. been on my list for years to try. I've been meaning to do that forever, and it's always like, Right after this next set of shit I'm working on. <laughs> never I had someone it. make me, as part of a trade, a frame tang kitchen knife. So they're actually able to use my scales, basically, in a hidden tang format, um, which was really cool conceptually for me to get to see them used in a different way. Um, and the resulting kitchen knife was really... The amount of weight that you save doing a frame tang versus a full tang kitchen knife was really really pretty neat it is a it's a fun light little kitchen knife to get to play with i like yeah, the idea it? and you can make you can make them takedowns too if you use hardware that comes back apart again yeah no epoxy yeah yeah uh who wildcraft knives she does a lot of frame tanks i'm pretty sure i don't know if i'm familiar with her oh She's maybe a- She's uh she's got full blacked out forearms. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, I can't I can't remember her real name. That's the trouble with Instagram. Oh my Olivia. gosh, tell me about it. That's that's the story of Blade Show for me every year. Is people walking up and starting a conversation with me. For starters, half of them don't ever put a video on their Instagram, so I don't know what their face looks like. And they just come up and start talking to me like we're best friends. And I'm like, I, I need to know a name, man. I don't know who you are. <laughs> and then a lot of people will introduce themselves by their actual names and then start asking me about projects that they've done. And I'm like, okay, what's your Instagram name? Cause that's pretty much all I got right now. <laughs> I'm even yeah. terrible with that. People mention their Instagram name and I'm like, yeah, I recognize that, but I have no idea. <laughs> my my memory is terrible. Sorry. When, Glad I'm not I mean, the only one. Yeah, I, especially with you, Mike. You've got forty something thousand followers. Sharky, you've got what twenty something thousand? Ah, uh, no, I just crossed fifteen. 15 Mine's dropping 000. pretty quick, though. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> you going the wrong direction? Oh yeah, constantly. Well, I think so. They recently did like a bot purge, and I know everybody was 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 making posts about that and everything. And it's like, why, why are you worried about losing a follower whose name is star circle hashtag shoe? You know, like, uh, uh that, that person was never going to buy a knife from you. Like it was just a bot from Zimbabwe. Like it's the helps numbers in the algorithm. It's the I numbers mean, that matter. Yeah. The and thing then you was- can go and sell that to people that you want free shit from. And mm. people try and people try and leverage that number. All the, time. the thing is, it doesn't even the, your follower count doesn't even really matter anymore, right? With 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 this new focus on reels that Instagram has has instituted, if if you go back and look, like if you're a business account or a creator account, you can look at you know your the who watched your video, 
And even my videos that do well, you know, when I get a, a video that 15,000 people watch and I have 15,000 followers, you would think that that would be a majority of who saw my video, but you open it up and the statistics say 1,200 of my followers watched the video and whatever 15,000 minus 1,200 is, I'm not going to try to do that math in public, but that many people were non-followers. And I'm like, what? so my follower count really doesn't matter because random people are seeing my posts that aren't my followers. My followers mostly don't see my stuff. So it really doesn't matter in the long run how many followers you have anymore. It's just no, about whether your post catches the algorithm roller coaster. Oh, and it yeah. used to be like you would be lucky on a really good day with the right hashtags and the right time of day that you posted your really cool looking post. Um, 2%, I think, is what you could count on it, it hitting your 2% of your followers. Lately, mine's been if I go in and run the numbers, it's like 0.03% of my followers actually see any of my posts. It's pretty pathetic. Yeah, I mean, that's that's about what I'm running. I, on an average post for me, uh, about 300 of my followers out of 15,000 will see it. And it's just I, I, I'm just waiting for Instagram to just get rid of follower accounts because really it doesn't matter. View counts are all that's really playing into the algorithm right now. <laughs> it's, it's a whole different system now. Yeah, but that that follower count is currency, though, to a lot of people. Yeah, it's true. Some well, people, I mean, you won't even get a follow back if you're under a thousand. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, it means it's Christ. It could it could count to a legitimacy. I actually, for myself, when I go and look at like a some some new account I've never seen before, I'll try and scroll real quick down to their content before like all of their their shit loads up. So I can't actually see their follower account. I'll try and hide that to myself because <laughs> I'll find with even with myself, I'll just be like, oh, who's this knife maker? 700 followers. Fuck them. You know what I mean? <laughs> but if, you can, if you scroll down quick and look at their actual stuff, it's like then, you know, try and judge them on their actual yeah, content. Definitely adds a bias. I've noticed the Pakistani makers have been getting sneakier and sneakier with their accounts. Mm hmm. They'll put like American flag pictures and like a semi normal sounding Instagram name, but then you scroll down through their pictures and it's the same um, gas station knives. Yeah, yeah, the textured black washed kitchen set that every Pakistani maker posts on their page. Um, they actually got me. They, I, I've got this one that I, I I looked at. He followed me, and I followed him back. And I was like, oh, that, I mean, it was like David something. So I was like, oh, that sounds legit. And I was like, oh, he makes some, some cool stuff. And I seen a couple of his posts come up and I'm like, oh, no, that's, that's not real. That's, I've, I've been had. Man, I mean, I, I'm getting, we're getting personal, like around here in my, in my town, I can't sell knives to um, like boutique shops around here. Cause they're all carrying crap that some dude in Ontario is quote unquote custom or hand making and selling to them these Damascus knives at 50 bucks a pop and they turn around and sell them for a hundred. And he's obviously getting them from overseas for, you know, 25 and all these stores around here that who would sell knives, most of them, not all of them, but most of them are selling those. And then I go in there and try and sell my stuff to them. Like, Hey, you guys want to carry some local stuff? And they see my pricing and they're like, there's no way we can carry those. And it's like, well, I think this, the sneakiest junk account that I had recently 
popped up and it their profile looked relatively uh you know well put together the you know the the way i used to catch them is the the bio had really bad english in it right and then you'd scroll down and see that it was clearly junk knives and this one was relatively well put together uh, but the name on it was sophie and the picture was uh, a 18 year old 19 year old blonde chick and the you know the the profile picture was semi focused on her boobs and i was like well this is suspicious because no offense to all of you listening, but most knife makers just don't look that nice. So I was like, hmm, this seems like it's probably not accurate. And I scrolled down and sure enough, junky, junky foreign crap. And I was like, oh, well, they're going hard with Sophie with the big boobs. They're <laughs> evolving. They're they're mixing genres. They're getting knife makers and thirst traps in right? one count. There's a couple of them out there, though, that look like that and are doing really well making knives that aren't much better than those gas station knives either oh you're talking about real makers ish yeah yeah no there's definitely a few of those <laughs> it happens we, we don't need to name names but yeah i think we all know who you're talking about <laughs> yeah i named her on the last podcast the old in the old one. <laughs> oh, it's weird was that I, the last time you were on this show i think yeah. so i'm surprised I'm yeah a, i'm a lot back <laughs> yeah i know i remember that actually yeah uh i never see her name come up in the community ever. Gee, I wonder and why. I don't know. Unless, yeah, unless it's for less than uh, less than good reasons, I guess. She's still less in business, flattering. though. Of course. Well, Ryan, uh, do we want to throw an ad in? I feel like this is a good time. We're kind of... Yeah, yeah my now, you just, now you just lost all your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. There's, uh, there's still four just, out of five of them still listening. Yeah. So we'll go with uh, Maritime Knife Supply. Shout out to Lawrence Lake. It was just his birthday. It was just his birthday. Yeah, Fucking birthday guys get Lawrence. Benjamin Button syndrome. He gets younger the older he gets. But Hustle and Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Thanks, Luke. That's Luke from Crafty Man Forge. And, um... We tend to go off on tangents a bit, so I'm just going to run the Phoenix Abrasives ad now and get it out of the way. Shout out to Phoenix Abrasives. Hustle and Grind is sponsored by PhoenixAbrasives.com, your one-stop abrasive shop. They stock all the abrasive belts you need in all sizes. They also offer knife-making kits, which have all the goods you need in one kit, as well as hand sanding and buffing materials. Go to phoenixabrasives.com and use the code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your order. Thanks, Luke. Thanks again, Luke. All right, guys. So here on this show, we do a segment called Florida Man or Fraud. Have, have either of you guys listened to the show with, with the new segment in it? I have not heard this segment. Okay. No, this sounds right. good, though. All right. So, as as I'm sure you're both aware, all of the best headlines in the United States come out of Florida. 
Absolutely. To the the point where Florida man, which is usually the way that the headline starts, has kind of become his own entity, his own meme. So we started this segment called Florida Man or Fraud, where I read off a headline and the guests, the listeners, Ryan, get to guess whether it's really Florida Man or whether it's a fraud from somewhere else. The issue that we have had in the past is that the guests and some of the listeners are under the impression that some of the stories are fake and some of the stories are real, when in reality you're supposed to be guessing whether it's in Florida or not in Florida. So we're changing it up this week. So I have some stories. Some of them are real. Some of them are fake. So just to see how this plays out, I've got some real ones. I've got some satire ones. You guys have to determine whether these are real stories or fake stories based entirely off the information that is in them. So, Ryan. Did you make up the fake ones or are they? Uh, we'll talk about that after this, after this segment, I think. Okay. <laughs> so not necessarily in Florida. Uh, they're all based in Florida. They are all based okay. in Florida. Some are real. Some are fake. Gotcha, Ryan. Oh, okay, so we're it. doing a we're doing a switcheroony then. We're doing a switcheroony. We're changing it up. We're just gonna we're throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to play. Is it Florida Man or Frog? That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the part of the show where I read off a ridiculous headline and you get to guess whether this is truly a Florida man or a fraud that was completely made up out of someone's imagination. The first story reads, Florida man drinks a cup of bleach after a jury finds him guilty of armed robbery. A man downed a cup of bleach in a courtroom moments after hearing the jury read his verdict in which they found he was guilty of armed robbery. Excuse me. Jermaine Bell, 38, had spent more than three years in custody for the December 2018 robbery for which he was convicted. He pulled a gun on employees at the Millennium Engine Plating, where he was disguised as a courier. Bell was seen drinking the bleach from a white disposable cup before an officer approached him with a trash can and attempted to have the inmate spit up the liquid. But Bell continued to drink from the cup until he eventually sat down. He immediately became very sick. He was transported out of the courtroom, uh, blah, 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 taken on a stretcher, and he was taken to the hospital for medical treatment. Do you gentlemen and you listeners at home think that a man drinking bleach in a courtroom after hearing his sentence read out was something that truly could happen in Florida, or is this a fraud? Sounds real. Yeah, yeah I'd I'm say go, I'm going with Florida man. Yeah, that sounds like something Florida man would do. Now, did he drink the bleach in the courtroom? In the yes. courtroom. So he brought it with him? Well, it said he was he was an inmate for three years before this hearing even happened, so I don't know. Hmm. That takes some planning if you're being transported from prison to court with bleach. The story was just so detailed, though. I know. That's what got me. I thought it was just going to be a headline. I didn't think it was going to be the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So basically what I've done is I, I've taken like the headline and like the, the, the top blurb line, you know, just to give you a little bit more detail about it to get some more information. So it's not the whole story, but it's, it's the, the main bits. 
I'm going to go real. That's real. Yeah, I'm sold. I think that's for real. All right, real final answer all the way around. You guys are all correct. That, in fact, was very real, and that was submitted by Chandler underscore Knives on Instagram. So thank you, Chandler, for that real Florida Man headline. Oh, that's a good. That's good. You get people submitting them to you too. That's awesome. My inbox has been flooded this week. Uh, <laughs> I, I I have quite a few on the back burner actually, uh, so so I, I'm set for a little while here. I also I'll take this I'll take this moment to to to, to mention that some of you people out there, and I think you probably know who you are, are a little dark. Okay, guys, like I, I can appreciate some dark humor. But I, I don't think that the, that the listeners want to hear about, you know, family dismemberment or, or you know, people, uh, you know, cannibalizing things. Like, I... I, I Those I, all I sound like real stories to me, too. Yeah, that was... <laughs> I remember when the dude ate the other dude's face in Florida. Cannibalism, bath salts. It was a real thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that's... And they're ridiculous and... I might chuckle at some 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 dark shit. Like, I'll, I'll admit that, but I think we should keep it a little bit lighter on the show. You know, like I got I got sent some weird stuff this week. Let, let me just say that. So you are Anyways. opening the floodgates to all the darkest shit you can imagine on the internet now. <laughs> yep. Now people are going to take it as a challenge. Great. Yep. All right. Next one. Here we go. Florida man arrested for using a lost U.S. nuke to power his home for more than 27 years. Caesar Sayak, 48, I'm not saying that correct, but whatever, 48 was arrested after neighbors in the West Block of 35th complained late last Tuesday uh, about a d- domestic disturbance at his residence. Sayak was detained and the resulting search of the premises revealed some strange electrical modifications to the home. After some time, the authorities found a makeshift reactor in a hidden basement, which apparently had been fashioned by Sayok after he acquired the nuke during a dive off of the coast of eastern Florida. The residents and surrounding neighborhoods are currently being scanned for dangerous levels of radiation. Fake. Whoa. Yeah, I got to go fake on that one. I'm also going fake on this one. Why? How? What do you think's fake about it, you guys? It just seems... Like the if they don't keep better track of our nukes, <laughs> we're in deep shit. Okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna interject there. I will tell you right now that there are a significant number of missing nuclear weapons from the United States. You can actually what? Google it. Yeah. Um that you Google it. It's a little concerning. Um I, I Ryan's over act- here like I think the US government is super competent. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's you can get whole books on it. There, there, there's a there, there's a there's an issue. Um, I will say though, uh, I have a degree in nuclear uh, technology, uh, and I do not believe that it would work to use the weapon to create a reactor to power a home. But you know, it's not really a class we took as part of it. So <laughs> I could be wrong. <laughs> the I mean, if, a nuclear weapon. If you have a degree in it. How is this guy who's just some fucking Joe Schmo going to hack into this nuclear weapon and turn it like, is this Tony Stark we're talking about here? Yeah, I don't really yeah. think the energy flow quite goes that direction, but I could be no, wrong. Uh, like I said, we didn't take a MacGyver in class, so. I feel like Eastern Florida is not where a lot of nukes get lost. 
I don't think like I'm trying to I'm trying to picture the circumstances in which a nuclear weapon is just misplaced. And I mean, apparently it happens a lot, but I don't <laughs> well, the, think that the, they I mean, we're the, the, in diving depth off of the coast of eastern Florida. I know there the, the, are some in the ocean based on boat and or plane uh, mishaps. I don't know where, though. I would I would have to bust out my book. I, I have a book of every nuclear uh, catastrophe that's happened in the world. Uh, so it'd of be course you do. But I don't have it memorized. Man, I feel well, bad when I strip a bolt. You imagine losing a nuke? I'm right? going to talk to your boss and be like, hey, man, I know I left with one, but I kind of dropped. I dropped it. <laughs> so the, the the picture that accompanied this one was of a man in a diving suit next to a, a wreck. And I don't know if the, the picture was of an actual sunken nuke or whether it was, you know, what it was. But there was a, a picture of somebody in a diving suit that accompanied this uh, this article. Oh, you could get so, those anywhere. Yeah. I'm, so if I'm we're going with fake. fake. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking All right, with we're fake. going fake across the board. Yeah. All right, you are all correct. Thank God you didn't fall for that one. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure with Sharky on here uh, if I if I'd be able to get anyone on that because I knew he was going to have a little bit more knowledge than some people. But uh, I'm more frightened now <laughs> knowing that <laughs> than I was at just one guy finding a nuke. Yeah. I All wish, right. Here I we go. I, could, I wish I could remember the number. So I, I will say the, the government is roughly many. where most of them are. They're just not accessible. <laughs> right. Like down in the trench or. Yeah. They're, they're sunk at the bottom of the ocean and they're staying there. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Next up, we have Florida man wears F the police shirt to court and wins the case. <laughs> I hope that's true. That's fantastic. <laughs> a Florida man wore a F the police shirt to court last week and proceeded to win his case. Michael Burns. Okay. This is, uh, this is really long and whatever. There was a, there was a traffic stop. He didn't like it. That's, that's basically the story. He went to court, wore a shirt that said F the police and uh, evidently won the case. I'd buy nice. that. I mean, they can't really judge you on what you're wearing, right? Uh, well, I'm thinking that in that sort of a case, you would be, you're, I mean, you're not up against a jury, you're up against a judge. And if you piss off the judge, then the judge can kind of rule however he wants. So I don't know. But I mean, he's got to be ruling based on evidence, not based on how you look. I mean, if you rolled in there with a really suspect looking mustache or something and a purple shiny Whoa. jacket. <laughs> just, oh, throw the book in. go judging sure. you. Yeah. No, no, this was this was this was a traffic stop, not not a pimp offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I I'm going true. I think that's Yeah. I'm going true yeah. also. I you got some deadly street cred for that one. All right, you guys are all correct. That was in fact a real story. And that one, I believe that one was sent in by uh Todd Harrington. Nice. So, Shout out to Todd. Todd. Um, back on the nukes, I Googled it. Oh, and it's, it says that the U.S. has lost at least three nuclear bombs that have never been located. They're still out there to this day. And that's of August of this year. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. I thought so I that, watched if, a I think I watched a Vice documentary where they, they went to this dude's basement and he had built himself. Maybe it was a 
cold no it wouldn't be cold fusion because they haven't quite figured that out but i feel like it's like a nuclear reactor or something in his basement and it's functional and he's just some old dude that i guess is some genius and they were all worried that he fired the thing up and the, the reporter was like uh are you sure this is safe it was hilarious but he's like sounded like he knew what he was talking about explained how it all worked and everything i don't know if it came from a lost bomb or something but he was able to get himself a little bit of uranium i'm sure they killed that guy (laughs) (laughs) just like the guy that made the water engine no no he killed himself oh oh that's right yeah sorry so did epstein (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right i got one more you guys ready let's do it it. oh sorry i got two more i got i got a bunch we're we're trying to we're throwing these out here um Sorry, I put these all in a uh, in a a word document so that I could actually read them off. With the all right, here we go. Florida man who attacked Minions mascot gets jail time. A self-proclaimed social media star caught on camera attacking a man in a Minions costume is going to jail. The state attorney's office said the 26-year-old Ryan C. Nyhart received a 10-day jail sentence for the incident. The attack happened. Blah blah blah. Investigators said that Nyhart attacked a 41-year-old. Jamie Rome, the video shows Nyhart body slamming the costume character and kicking them in the groin several times as two friends watch. One person records the incident on a cell phone. Nyhart faced up to a year in jail. He must also pay restitution for the damaged costume and enroll in a moral recognition therapy course as part of his 12-month probation. How old did you say the, the costume guy was? 41. Uh, 40, 41. 41 man in a Minions costume. Pedo. <laughs> I feel like this one's less like... Florida man and more dumb TikToker. Like this, this could happen anywhere with the stupid stuff people do on TikTok these days. Oh, it sounds. I was gonna say it sounds so plausible that it's probably, it's probably not. <laughs> it's so believable. It's fake. Yeah, I feel like. I feel like. Um, I feel like there's so much more crazier shit going on in Florida that something like this would never actually make the paper. <laughs> this is just Tuesday. Yeah, that's just <laughs> that's too boring for Florida papers. <laughs> uh, Ryan, what's your answer? I can just imagine somebody actually doing that, so I'm kind of going with real. I kind of really feel like that's a Florida man thing. Kyle, like maybe that there's more to it. Like maybe they knew each other. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there was some meth involved. Yeah. That could be. That's maybe that likely. Definitely How sounds like a TikTok that, stunt. How old is the guy that beat the guy up? Oh, 20-something. Yeah. See, that brings TikTok into play for sure. 26. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with real on this one. This sounds like a TikTok thing that could happen just about anywhere. Yeah, I agree. I'm still saying it's it's too real to be real, I think. I say it's a fake <laughs> story. <laughs> All right, here we go. It is real. 
Damn. That one was submitted by Neil Warren of Maximus Knives. I like where you were thinking with that, and I like that because that's what I intended. I intended for somebody to fall into that trap. Oh, All right, you got I, got, me. <laughs> I got one more, and this one you guys are really going to have to think long and hard about. Uh, here goes. Florida man, 37, arrested for kidnapping 27 people and forcing them to play Yahtzee for 36 hours straight. Real. Frank Gonzalez from Woodhaven Road in Tickfaw was arrested pending charges of kidnapping, human trafficking, and endangerment after he allegedly kidnapped 27 people ranging from ages 14 to 64 and forcing them to play Yahtzee for 36 hours straight before releasing them at different times and locations based on their scores in the game. Investigators did not come... <laughs> Investigators did not comment on the motive at this time, but did mention that drug use may have been a factor. May have. <laughs> How long does it take to collect 27 different people? Like, did Depends he take on the one drugs? bus, or is this 27 individual Yahtzee kidnappings? Uh... I didn't read the rest of it, but it didn't sound like it was 27 individual. It sounded like it was potentially like one or more at a time. That, like that's he got to be, he, uh, be a Guinness Book of World Records. Most people kidnapped for the purposes of Yahtzee. <laughs> I don't the think there's a category for that. I've largest seen Yahtzee things tournament. in the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, see, I was picturing a room of 27 people plus this guy all playing Yahtzee together. I yeah, like a tournament. Yeah, <laughs> you play for your victory. Play for your freedom. It's like wow. Yahtzee Gladiator. Well, he did say that it did say that he was releasing them based on their scores in the game. So it could have been like a tournament, like a death tournament style. There wasn't murder involved though, so I don't think if you lost, you died. So I don't know. I mean, it could have been one at a time though, right? Like over the course of a, a couple of years. Kidnap a person, force them to play it's like the most PG version of Saw ever. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it would be a better movie. I want to play a game. I Yahtzee. would watch this. I would watch it. <laughs> I would watch it. All right, we're going to play real. I'm going real on this one. It's so ridiculous that I got to buy that this is a thing that actually happened. Yeah. Uh, drugs were definitely involved. But... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like it was a, like it's it started out sounding like it was going to be a good idea. Like this guy just went out under the, he just went out in the streets. Like I'm going to get together a, a huge Yahtzee tournament. Who wants to play? And then, but they all got kind of tricked into it and then found out that they couldn't leave. And then oh. maybe, he, maybe he drugged them. And then, and then he was like, no one's leaving until the game's <laughs> until the game's over or something like that. Goes around roofing chicks at the bar. Little then they wake up to to realize, oh, I'm not getting I'm not getting assaulted here. I'm just being forced to play Yahtzee. Yeah, but I mean, the Yahtzee part's throwing me. Like, who <laughs> forces people to play Yahtzee? I force my kids to play Yahtzee every once in a while. <laughs> so clearly, insane people. There was yeah. a South Park episode on it where uh, Stan Marsh was trying to get out of Facebook and the only way to do it was to battle the system in a game of Yahtzee. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like South Park. Oh, geez. See, I feel like this is a, a weird story like that where it turns into actually technically that was kidnapping and now you're being arrested for it. 
where at the time it probably wasn't meant to be. And the guy being on drugs, he had it in his brain like, no, this is just going to be a fun game of Yahtzee. I'll get a bunch of people together and we'll play Yahtzee. And then it turned into, actually, that's technically kidnapping. It Oops. puts the dice in the cup or it gets the hose again. <laughs> <laughs> you guys think it's real? I yeah. think it's real. I'm going with real. Yeah, meth or bath salts. <laughs> or a lot of mushrooms. Like a All right, lot. Mike, we're just waiting on you. I'm gonna I'm gonna go fake just to be different. So it worked out so well for me last round. Fair enough. All right. I am delighted to tell you, gentlemen, that that was a fake story and Mike Jones is right. Oh. Totally redeems himself. <laughs> uh, well, I know what I'm doing for New Year's. <laughs> so, so Mike, before before we started the the program, you asked uh, where the fake stories came from, and uh, those were from my deluded imagination. Good for you! Congratulations, that's a good one. Good job. So, so I I googled satire Florida man stories, and I couldn't find any. Uh, so the, the, actually the, the headlines were like, you know, just like little, like each one of those headlines was like a real satire headline, like the nuke one, this one, but there was no story. So I had to re I had to write like the whole rest of the story with like the names and like trying to make it sound realistic and everything. So that that's was the tricky that part was... is coming up with real sounding names, but coming up with it. Like if I try and think of a fake name, it always sounds so fake. I, I almost tried to like come up with like like random like Ben Zavatsky or like something like random like that sounded fake just so that like I could like try and trip people up but yeah <laughs> anyways that's a fun game I like it so yeah anyways listeners if if you think it was fun with fake headlines or if you think it's better with all real headlines shoot me a DM let me know what you think we'll like I said we're we're throwing spaghetti at the wall and just seeing what sticks. And send like in your segment. darkest ideas. No, don't listen to Mike. Don't do that. <laughs> Noah's going to start having nightmares and shit. Oh, geez. There's some seriously messed up headlines out there that I, I do not want in my brain, but they're stuck there. Yep, you open Pandora's box now. Mm. Yeah. For sure. Well, let's read off the Patreons. Let's read off the Patreons. We appreciate all of our Patreons. I can't talk. And I wrote the list down, so it's not such a shit show this time. Thank the Lord. So we got Donnie Dulovich, KnifeMaterial.at, Aru Bladeworks, Brigham Kindell, Mark LeBlanc, Mark Vanderwerf, Richard Beck, Todd Harrington, Dennis Tyrell, Trox Claire Custom Cutlery, Zachary Sowell, Maritime Knife Supply, No Bloomberg, Crafty Man Forge, Brian Henningkamp at Tortuga Blade Works, Jared at Echo Blades, Sourwood Creations, Bremner Built Knives, Snake Branch Knife Works, Stormlight Forge, Timber Tiger Forge, Ira Housework, Maximus Knives, Jared Weaver, the Master of Metal Manipulation, and Brian Cohn. God Thanks, damn, there's everybody. a lot of knife companies out there now, eh? Yeah, we've only got 25 or 26 work for it's got over a hundred now wow what did, what do people sorry go ahead go what do people go get with your with a patreon subscription 
for the first two tiers, you get our love and gratitude. For the third tier, you get a sticker pack. And for the fourth tier, you get a t-shirt and a sticker pack. Ooh, nice. And the fourth tier is 25 bucks. So, and here's the other thing that you guys get. I'm going to make y'all a knife. So Ryan and I talked about this early on. We really want to show some appreciation to our Patreon supporters. And so he and I were going to do a collaboration. I was going to forge out a billet or something. He was going to turn it into a knife. And we were just going to just do like a, um, like a lottery drawing of anyone who's a Patreon, you have a chance to win. We throw all your names into a random number generator and you win this, this knife that Ryan and I made. But Ryan's really freaking busy right now. He's got a lot of orders and I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw one together. Well, I, you know, I'm just trying to look out for you. If if you think you can, can, if you think you can throw in a, a Patreon knife, you know, We'll talk about it. But anyways, we're going to do something special. We're going to basically just going to uh, do a drawing. And one lucky patron of ours is going to get a knife. Um, I don't, I know a lot of you guys are knife makers. So what kind of knife does a knife maker want? Sword. <laughs> a katana full size. What the hell, man? <laughs> what the hell? No, that's awesome. awesome. Do you get do different tiers get different number of entries in the draw? Ooh, that's a good point. We'll, we'll, right we'll, now, we'll, we'll figure out the details. That's a so, great idea. Basically, right now I'm thinking I'm gonna make I'm gonna make you guys a chef knife because everybody uses a chef knife, and I know that most knife makers have you know like one or two chef knives that they've made in their kitchen, and they're usually rejects that that didn't make it for an order or something like that. And so they just go in their own kitchen. Well, here's your opportunity to have, you know, a, a regular built knife that doesn't have any major flaws in it or something. I mean, well, it's made by me, so it's going to have flaws, but whatever. <laughs> the point is, that's a really good. Re- is, it's a good regift too. It's my show too. Wow. So wow. I've got it. Where's the sword then that man. I've got to have my hand in this knife. It just wouldn't okay. be, it just wouldn't be right if I didn't. Be like, yeah, All no, right. make make a knife for my show. <laughs> All right, so I'm I'm gonna forge out a billet. I'm gonna send it to Ryan, and maybe next year when he gets caught up, he'll turn it into a knife for you guys. Yeah, I'm booking into March right now, so I close you. my That's books. Awesome. But when you close your books, people are like, "Oh shit!" I'll message him right now for some reason. Um, so yeah, I'm telling people March. So if you send me a billet. I'll have a knife for the patrons by March, and then that'll give us a chance to build up some more patrons too. Speaking of knives, you have one of my knives still, don't you, Mike? As soon as he started talking about this collab, I thought I, I was, <laughs> I, I fucking haven't even opened the box yet. I feel so bad. I was like, <laughs> shit, I meant to open that thing before today and have a look at that knife. It's still sitting on, it's in my shop. It's on my workbench. It's ready to go. I just been so freaking swamped. How far from your shop are you? A uh, hundred feet. Go get it. Oh, here we go. Going? We're gonna we're gonna have a live unboxing on the show. Okay, yeah, I'll might be as right well. back. All right. All right. So while Mike's gone, Sharky, you say you you used to be a knife collector, and then what 
I, I'm sure you've talked about this before, but what was the what was the jump from knife collector to handle maker? <laughs> uh, something that I'm sure none of your podcast list, podcast listeners can uh, identify with. I had a scale buying problem. Oh no, none of us have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I am very much still a knife collector. I think I have about 85 ish custom knives that all have my handles on them. Um, so decent, decent collection. Um, but before I started flying shark knives, I was collecting knives that obviously didn't have my scales on them, uh, and just buying, you know, knives that I thought looked cool. And then I learned that you could buy materials and send them to the makers so they would make a knife with that very specific handle color that I wanted because I'm super OCD about colors. Um, <clears throat> and so I started doing that for a while. And then I went out to my shop one day and realized I had enough handle blanks, scales, and all sheets and whatever for about 100 knives. And at the time, I already had a pretty sizable collection. Uh, and I was like, well, this is a problem. I've got a problem. Uh, so I reached out to a buddy of mine, uh, Dreadnought Knife Shop, Josh Wentz, uh, out of Ohio, and was going to try to sell him the collection. And he suggested that since I'm pretty good with color coordination, that maybe I should put some handle scales together. So I gave it a shot, not expecting it to go anywhere, and it clearly went somewhere. So... I have since then sold that whole original collection. I've sold pretty much all of that because it doesn't have my work on it um, and rebuilt a whole new collection with my own handle scales. That was actually fairly recently, I think, that you were still unloading some of those parts oh, yeah. of your collection that didn't have yours. Yeah, I started selling them about three years ago and it took me... I mean, I think I still probably have four or five of them somewhere, but I think... I sold the last little batch of them in like uh, May. So, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, mean, I thought I had seen it on your Instagram recently. There were like, I think I had around 60-ish knives before I sold the whole first collection and started building the second collection. Wow. Ooh, I'm, I'm so excited. I haven't seen this knife since I packed it up. Okay. I'm back. And by the way, I hope you appreciate how cold and snowy it is out there. Oh, yeah. I forget. You're up in... Uh... Risking British my life. Columbia. Are, are you able to describe to the American listeners what temperature it is outside? It is below freezing by uh, six Canadian degrees. Well, six degrees in every other country except the United States. So, so. Uh, maybe 25-ish, I guess. Okay, so between 20 and 25 in the, the freedom height range. Yeah, and it is uh, snowing out there. 21.2 so, degrees. There you go. Thank you very much. I do appreciate you. Got a sticker? Oh. Yep. This is really good for radio. This is going to be great for your podcast listeners. <laughs> we, we, we released the video on YouTube. Oh, shit. I better put so my pants you, back on. all you guys listening on Tuesday... Now you're going to have to go back and watch the whole pad podcast on YouTube just so you can thing. see... Well, yeah, you can't just cut to this part. Don't to scroll to all over again. Don't scroll to a minute six. Okay, an hour six. An hour. Oh, I'm sorry. An hour six. Hour six minutes. No, um, no. Sc scroll. Scroll to a minute six, and then watch. 
I'm trying to draw people to the YouTube, so I released the YouTube episode early. Ooh. So the YouTube episode will come out tonight or tomorrow. It depends on how long it takes for everything to like come together. You want me to send all seven of my YouTube followers over? Hell yeah. Uh, Send me any links links you guys want posted in the YouTube too. Thanks for all the bubble wrap. This is going to be good to you. Okay. Here we have the box in question. More bubble wrap. It has a pointy tip. So I double box it. I hear you. I wish I had a drum roll. You hear that? Yeah. All this coming through, okay? That's good content. (laughs) All right, right. listeners, he's got it out of the wrap. He's taking the tip protector off. Nice. Oh, it's like a, what would you call it? A K-tip? Yeah, Reverse Tonto? We got Kydex covering the, the holy smokes. Someone's going to hit themselves on the butt end of this thing. It's the blank. You got to, yeah. You can't see the grind of the tape on, but that might you take a while s- to pull off. I wonder if there's, you can sort of see the, uh, the hollow in it. Would you call that, uh, what do they call that in? In not kitchen knives. A fuller. Fuller, that's the one, thank you. You can kind of see that with the lighting that there's a fuller in there. Cool, this is stainless steel? Yeah, AEBL. AEBL, one of my favorites. So for the listeners and myself, is this a collaboration knife? Mm-hmm. Ryan made the blade, I'm going to do the handle. It would be a super collab if we had some sharky scales here to do it hey i bet i know a guy who could do that just saying is all you want to you want to throw down the handle material and we'll call it a three-way i'm always in for a (laughs) three-way cool i'm excited to pull the tape off of this when it's uh when the time comes once the handle's done yeah for sure i'll do a full a full reveal so anybody listening, make sure you go and follow me too. <laughs> and I'll do a full reveal video. How's that like. raffle knife holding up? Uh, good. That um, that hemp wood stuff, man, is a constant struggle. I got I have to keep touching it up. I don't know what happened with that batch that you got from that guy, but it was it looks so good. It's just got a lot of extra grip that I don't. I'm not using. Yeah, I'm not using it again. I got another knife that I used it for a bolster to like just to sharpen and clean it up a little bit that I put out a year ago. And it was the hemp wood chunk was all rough. And she's like, I like it. It's like grip. I was like, yeah, it's not supposed to be like that. No, though. Yeah. The little pieces fall out and splinter out of it and stuff. I, I tried sealing it up with, um, with a, like a CA glue finish and that held up for a little while, but yeah, I don't know. It must've just been a, a bad batch or something like that, but. It's I great. The rest of the knife's awesome, though. Wife keeps using it every time I look at her, and then I look at the rack of all of my knives up on the... She's not using... Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Say no to drugs, kids, even in your handle material. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking about growing industrial hemp. I got a bit of property here and I'm wondering if, I don't know, I just have this feeling like I should start growing it and stockpiling it like it's going to be a good commodity soon. I don't know a lot about hemp, but whenever I see pictures of them growing it, it always seems to be in hot, warm places. And you were just talking about it being negative a billion degrees. It's not, not really always. <laughs> I have a swimming pool in the summer that we use a lot. It gets warm here. <laughs> oh, all right. I just assumed that far north that the summer was like a week and a half long. <laughs> we have like major forest fire issues because it gets so hot and dry up here. All right. Learn something new yeah. every day. For like Same here. Months, I mean, right? it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's snow on the ground, 30 degrees outside right now, but in, in the summertime, it just gets so hot and dry that any vegetation that, that grows just burns. I know that behind me, you can see that I've decorated my igloo pretty nicely, but it still, <laughs> <laughs> it still melts every spring. It does look like a nice igloo. I can barely tell where the polar bears were sleeping. <laughs> Kick them out <laughs> for the day. <laughs> I've gotten pretty lucky on the global warming front this year. It was 52 here today. Man, winter started here in like November 1st this year, which was kind of early. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was grinding in short sleeves today. So, <laughs> Where are you? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I am currently in South Carolina. This is oh, not nice. where I live. I am on a journeyman tour, not journeyman like the ABS kind of journeyman. I like, I am a journeying maker at the moment, visiting some shops and doing some collaboration work with some different people in this part of the world. So cool. Yeah. I saw that video you did with Baker Forge and Tool. I did. I got to, I got to visit uh, Baker Forge. That was a good time. I spent some time working with Josh Weston and uh, I've spent a few different uh, trips at the Wizard Forge, which is a, a very nice young couple down here in South Carolina. Um, and then I got to do a demo slash presentation at the South Carolina Knife Makers Guild uh, meeting, their biannual meeting last weekend, taught, taught them some tips and tricks for handle scales. So it's been really neat getting to meet some people on their home turf and visit some shops. But man, is it a challenge being in a different shop every weekend? I'll tell you, you oh, never man. realize how much you get used to just where your tools are and how your specific grinder works until you're trying to figure out new tools every weekend. It's, every grinder is just a little bit different. How That's cool got to be so fun, fun, though. It is fun. Yeah. How cool was Baker's Forge and Tools shop? Oh, man. If, if you like, which I think most of the people listening to this podcast do, if you like big power tools, that man has the castle. I think the only, uh, the only collection of big power tools that I've seen that's more impressive is obviously Mount Phillips Metalworks. But uh, the multiple power hammers, multiple presses, uh, just some really fun giant tools. Everything's on an industrial level, and it was a lot of fun. The, uh, nice. the big Bulgarian power hammer was too scary for me. So I smushed one piece of metal on it and then I did the rest of my forging on the big blue. So one thing with that Baker Forge and tool trip that kind of seemed to like kind of sneak through the radar there was you had a piece of mosaic Damascus that was in a very familiar shape. Uh, are you prepared to talk about that or, or was that yeah. something you're saving for later? 
No, no. I, I, we we posted a little bit about it while I was there. It's not done yet. Um, we're we're still we we our uh, our game plan was a little bit more ambitious than our energy levels for two old dudes was gonna gonna hold up to because uh, we tried to get the whole mosaic built done in two and a half days and that <laughs> didn't quite pan out. Um, but yeah, we're doing a a four logo uh, mosaic. Uh, bar. I think it's actually going to work out to two bars once once it's all flattened. Uh, we ended up being a little bit more efficient than expected, so we have more steel remaining in the bar than we were planning on. Uh, but we 3D printed a few different uh, logos uh, that we were then able to put into canister Damascus and put into the mosaic. So there are two uh, winged shark logos. Uh, there is a skull and there is the uh, one that's the letters FSK for flying shark knives. And we put them into a four-way bar. Uh, well, you know, made them all into individual bars, then put it into a four-way bar, then cut it down into a 16-way bar. Um, and we were just not quite to the tiling process when we ran out of time. So just needs to be tiled and flattened. And what's the plan for that? <laughs> Um, we're still working on that. Uh, okay. we've got one knife maker lined up, uh, feathered knife works from Murfreesboro, Tennessee is going to make, uh, one blade with it. And we are working on a game plan for the second unexpected piece. Uh, you, you lose a lot of steel doing mosaic Damascus like that, like a ton of it, um, between the grinding uh, process and forge scale and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we expected to have to do a little bit more correction than we did. So we thought we were only going to get one billet's worth and we'll actually probably get two, which is really neat. So, and that's all due to Koi's process being very precise. I had, I was not a helping force there. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. All right. I I was mostly there for the comedic breaks and uh, the two parts of the process where you really needed two sets of hands. And even then I think, a lot of people saw the reel of me dropping these steel bars on the floor several times. So, uh, yeah, I did see that one. So I'm actually, I haven't actually talked to somebody who's done the 3d printing process with the, the canisters. So what is the material that's actually being 3d printed? Um, it's PA PLA filament, I believe is what, uh, he called it. So it's a carbon based filament. Um, so when it heats up, it burns away into pure carbon and then is just reabsorbed by the steel. Interesting. Okay. So, All right. And fun fact, uh, while your canister is heating up and it's burning up and the steam, smoke, whatever you would call that is exiting the canister breathe hole. It smells like one of those old fog machines from like a middle school dance. Is that so good? That's you the can kind smell of it. Valuable information that we needed to know in this podcast. Fun fact of the day: it it that was one of those things that was stuck in the back of my head. I was like, I I know this smell. I have smelled this before, and I thought about it for like two days straight before I finally was able to figure that out. <laughs> is that how Bob Kramer is doing all those knives with the inlay sort of into the Damascus blades? You guys familiar I with those that he's doing? Not super familiar no. with Bob Kramer's Damascus at the moment, so I don't know. It's just, it looks like a regular crazy mosaic Damascus, but then it'll have like a picture in, in the steel. And then yes, I believe so. 
And I, I know there's a couple of the very uh, talented and senior Smiths who have been working on this process. I know Coy got a lot of his information from chatting with them about uh, how they've been doing this. Um, and he'd have to chime in on who exactly they were. But it's it's something that there's a whole group of very talented makers pushing forward and figuring out how to do. So It's incredible so, looking stuff. I have seen Bob Kramer's work with that what you're talking about there, Mike. And I cry a little bit every time I see one of his knives. Uh, but the one thing that I've noticed with some of the, the intricate patterns and um, the pictures like you're talking about is they seem more detailed. Like you can actually see, you know, if you were painting it or drawing it, you can see shading that kind of shows, you know, the, the dynamics of whatever it is. And I don't know if you would be able to get that using that 3d canister, uh, method so i i don't know how bob kramer is doing that but it uh yeah it almost looks like something a, like, to behold like a laser etch or something like it's it's very finely detailed hmm they're doing crazy shit with laser etching too i saw i can't remember who it was uh, i think they listened too so they're gonna curse me out and i apologize but they laser etched a where's waldo scene on Holy the shit. flat of a knife the whole knife was a Where's Waldo. Cool. I haven't seen that. No, it was a few months back. You could but. do almost anything with I, the guy. There's a guy in town who does it, but he can only laser etch on stainless. And I'm not, I don't understand why that is, but hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I know I the know. 3D printing version. Uh, I'm pretty sure Steve Schwarzer is one of the people who's been working on really fine tuning this. So, and the rumor on the street that I heard is that they're working on figuring out how to do it with metal 3d printing so that you would add a third steel into the mix, which I, to me feels like maybe it could create a little bit more crisp lines and that kind of stuff. But I was thoroughly impressed. I mean, the shark logo that we put into this thing, I mean, it's, you know, less than an inch by an inch or I, I don't know, like that. It's probably like, 2.5 centimeters. I don't, I don't really do centimeters, but you know, less than an inch <laughs> by an inch. Uh, and you could still see the teeth in the shark. So the, wow. the detail is really impressive when you do it right. And it takes a lot of packing steel dust into a canister. It took me about an hour per canister, just packing steel dust in there. Wow. 3d cool. printing has come so far in the last 10 years. They're 3d printing everything. Now houses, they have like, these rigs with a concrete nozzle and they just 3d print the walls of a house. It's like, yeah, there's a, there was a company I was looking into making, they were 3d printing titanium blades. The actual blade was titanium. It was really cool because titanium's uh, soft, like it's a shitty blade material, but they have these uh, like ceramic little ceramic pieces in, in the dust. And so it was basically like a sintered, sort of blade so they they would have this layer of dust and the laser goes over and basically melts that dust together in the, the shape and then the machine puts another layer on and it melts and another layer and it melts and the blade ends up being um titanium so it's super light and soft and then these tiny little sintered pieces in it they don't wear away when the titanium wears away and so it's kind of like it's like an abrasive wheel how uh, you know how like they, they're self-sharpening because the pieces will fall out 
and expose the new pieces. It's basically the way that this blade works and people were playing with it and it doesn't actually feel sharp to, to your finger, but then it'll slice through paper and stuff. No problem because these little, it's almost like a micro serration of these tiny hmm. little pieces of ceramic are sticking out of the softer titanium material. It looks super cool. That's crazy. So it's almost well, like a ceramic belt where it's, you know, the fractured material that's causing the cutting. Yeah, yeah. That's like the, the, the worn out stuff will fall out and then and the material around it wears away and then the sharper bits are exposed and stays sharp that way. It's that's the neat. future. That's kind of crazy. Well, we're at an hour and 23. Is there anything you boys want to pitch or shout out or promote before we wrap this up? I don't have anything specific to promote from my side. Okay. Yeah, I'm just uh, yeah just plugging away, trying to get through these custom orders. And um, I finally finished up some of those production knives this morning from my, uh, my production run, which has been a learning experience. Um, so those things went live on my website this morning. A couple of them already sold, which is super cool. So uh, I'm, still, I'm still trying to catch up. Like it sounds like you guys are, which is great. It's good that everybody's busy and I'm excited to get into this collaboration with you and get a handle on this thing. And, uh, we'll do one of those, one of those words that shall not be spoken. (laughs) We'll do the dual raffle on this or something. Some make somebody's day. Yeah, for sure. Um, now that, I mean, you're, you're now that I'm doing a semi production run, I see why guys have blanks cut out. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I did, I made a few extras. So I did 56 and I got the materials Wednesday and I just finished heat treating them last night. It's It's so like, it's cool when you, if you keep track of your hours, like how much work you can get done when you're just doing one process to 50 something knives over and over again, like it can be really efficient, but man, it gets so boring and monotonous. And like, by the end of the day, you just like, after every time I've done like a big run of something, I'm always promised myself I'm never going to do it again and then end up doing it again. But because it, I mean, it just makes sense like efficiency wise, but um, yeah, I would, the the guy that I've been using to do my CNC stuff is Grayson at Fair Forge Works and he's been fantastic to work with. And um, if, yeah, if you're going to do another one, look into one of those kind of guys and mix and it's just it's the it's the shitty like grunt work that doesn't really make a knife a knife you know just the water jetting out a blade it's either he water jets it or you cut it out with a zip disc or whatever it's not like it makes any difference right so just getting that kind of stuff done my shop smelt like angle grinder disc for three days the fucking dust was everywhere Um, build yourself a little lean to and do that shit outside (laughs) it's gross yeah (laughs) But all right, boys, this was fun. First four guy episode. Thanks for having me along. This is cool. I'm uh, yeah, man. Always stoked to you sit got, down for a minute and have a have a chat. Either one of you are welcome back anytime. Um, and if anybody wants to be on, shoot me a message. I'm booking into January and February right now. So you're booking yeah. out farther for your knives than you are for your podcast. Look at that. I know. Isn't that crazy? It's all thanks to one guy. Oh, who would that guy be? Mike Jones, Knife and Tool. No, not me. (laughs) (laughs) The actual guy. (laughs) 
<laughs> you got to quit that be, job soon. I know it's getting in the way. It's like at the point now where it's getting in the way, but then my fear that these big orders could stop at any moment holds me back. You know what I mean? It's cause we're all, it's like, we're all hustling and grinding not to be fucking tacky, but I know exactly what you mean, man. I had so many sleepless nights where I was like, do I want to do this? Do I want to be the the idiot that bankrupts his family chasing some silly hobby that he does in his shed? You know, exactly. (laughs) No, I hear you exactly. But, uh, two things that were, that were a huge influence for me. One was, uh, I didn't have a plan B. I had like, you know, there's fallbacks. You can always go back to small engines. There's always going to be work for that. And I was a carpenter, so there's always work for carpentry. So, I mean, there's shit to do, but, but I didn't have like a, like a a safety net basically. So if it, if it has to work, you'll make it work is like, then, then your whole life just becomes like you wake up in the middle of the night, like, okay, what do I got to get done today? And you plan out your day in your head and you, you know, that kind of thing goes on all the time. And the second thing was, I, I, I said to my brother the other day on our podcast, I said, like, I'm so close and I've had a taste of it where I feel like if I went back to a nine to five, I'd be so fucking miserable. I would fucking hate every minute of my life if I had to do that again. So like, I'm close, I'm real close and it helps because I'm surrounded by guys that work for themselves. So the biggest thing for me was, um, wanting to look back and, I'd rather think at least I gave it a try and failed rather than wishing I'd ever given it a try and never, never having taken that leap. And man, it's, I mean, that fear that you're feeling is what keeps everybody else from doing it. All these people have these passions. They've got these things that they carve out little bits of time that they have in their week. Everyone's got this nine to five. And then on the weekends they're mowing the lawn or they got soccer for the kids or whatever. And they've got this little bit of time that they spend once in a while on this thing that they really love to do. And they're, I mean, everyone's just got that fear that uh, it's not going to work out. And that's what keeps all these people from doing it. Otherwise everybody would be able to do it and, uh, and hopefully more of them would, but it's, I don't know. I can't tell you what to do, but I'm really glad that it's working out so far for me. Yeah, it's, I'm close. I'm close. And the, the fact that I know I would be miserable if I went, if I abandoned it, I think is what I need. Um, I don't think I could go back to working for somebody else right now. I, I know what you mean. Right. Yeah. You'd be miserable, you know, I mean, unless I was one, flying helicopters or something cool like that. Like once you, once hey, you have a taste of freedom. As soon as I have the opportunity to not work for someone else, I'll be right there with you guys. Unfortunately, the air force kind of owns my butt for a while. I was going to say, yeah, they, uh, speaking of working for somebody else, uh, that's that's like the most extreme form of working for somebody else would be uh, in, in the armed services, right? Yeah, I got I got a contract, but one day. Yeah, they get you. my way towards it. Yeah, but so you, do, you, you get, do plan on going some someday? Yeah, yeah. My, my game plan is to get out of the military once I've done my time and set up a little ranch with a shop and be mostly self-sufficient and make cool shit. Yeah, that military retirement's something good too. I know a lot of guys who are on military retirement and they're doing all right. Yeah, it certainly helps. How yep. many years have you been in? I have been in for twelve years now. Damn. 
Yep. Nice. Eight more to go. Sweet. Well, guys, eight this more was years fun. Of, eight more years of drops every three months. Yep. And customs here and there. <laughs> hey, man, I've got a drop almost every week for like the last two or three months. I've been crushing it. You have been crushing it. I'm sorry. I apologize. You you really stepped it up here in the last little bit here, and I, I was lucky enough to snag a couple of I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, um, got the fire lit under my butt, so we're moving again. Getting getting the scales nice. out to the people. Good. It's, it's always tide better. Lifts all ships. It's it's always better to have less inventory than than is you know what am I trying to say here? Supply it, and it's demand. Better have more, more more demand than supply than the other way around. You know. Truth. Mm-hmm. Bump. All right, so, guys. This was a good one. Yeah, thanks again. This was a good yeah, one. Man. Thank you, thank you guys both for coming on here. Um, if if I'm not mistaken, I think actually this podcast before I was on it, I think was the reason I know of both of you. Um, Sharky, Systems. I think the system think works. The, yeah, because you were on one of the Sharky was on one of the earlier episodes, and uh, and I, I started following him shortly after that, and then Mike, I think I followed you after after hearing you on the show too. So. It was, uh, I enjoyed seeing all of your guys' content. Um, oh, shit. And uh, we just lost Sharky for a second you there. Kicked him out. No, He's over I it. Hope that, I hope that doesn't <laughs> fuck up his file. Well, anyways. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs>